so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you some ideas today that are, have to do with vision and have to do with who we are at One Chapel. But to begin, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. A couple years ago, I was um, on a trip in the Colorado wilderness. We were in the Wimanuchi wilderness. Everybody say Wimanuchi. It's just a fun word to know and say. And we, this is a, it's an incredible, beautiful part of Colorado. And, and I was there with my team, all of our staff guys. And, and then there was some um, other people along with us. And we went with Mountain Gateway, who's a missionary organization we support here. And, uh, and they were leading the trip. And it was, just a, it was kind of like a training trip. And we were kind of getting in on what they were experiencing. And so we, we go and we, we take backpacks and we put 45 pounds on our back and we walked uh, 45 miles off trail for eight days. I did not know I could do that. But it was an incredible trip. It was an amazing journey. And on the last day of the trip, Britt Hancock, who was in charge, he said, he said, okay, it's time for you guys to be on your own. So there you go. Here's a map. Here's the point where you need to get to, and that's the point of extraction where we will pick you up, and I will take you to eat real food at a restaurant, and then we will spend the night at some uh, hotel that has hot springs. <laughs> After eight days in smelly, stinky wilderness, uh, I was really looking forward to that, but we had to get there ourselves. And so we had a compass, and we had a map. And we started out and we started walking. It was me and it was uh, Nate Emmert and Spiro Stavros and Marty Irwin. And we were all four together and we're walking through this wilderness and we're going up and down terrains and trying to figure it out. No, I think we're here. And I think, well, the compass says, that's what Nate kept saying. The compass says we should go this way. And I was like, I think we should go this way. And everybody was like, let's go with Nate. So we kept, <laughs> kept going, kept managing our way and at one point though we all we got totally lost we couldn't figure out where we were at we had the map we had the compass we felt just like we were lost we could could it be over here could be over here this looks a lot like this terrain maybe I don't know I think we're totally lost and oh exactly <laughs> Marty's mentioning there are bears in this country yeah, so, so it was like, it was, it was weird. We were walking in really tall grass and, and a lot of uh, uh, a brush, and so anything could jump out at any time and scare you. So it was, a, it was a real trip, and the feeling of being lost and the feeling of are we going to make it to our place where we're going to be able to get out into civilization and all that. So we just kept, you know, we had to decide, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're lost. Should we keep going or should we just stay here? Now, let's just sit down and stay here. I'm so, so many people, when they're lost in life, they just decide, oh, let's just stay here. That tree looks pretty good. Let's just hang out here for a while. No, I think, I think God wants us to keep moving. And so the story, we, we keep moving, we keep going, and we come out of, I remember it, it was just so 
it was so wonderful. The, the, like this joy came over us to know that we, that we finally made it. And, and we came out of this deep brush and came out into this clearing. And there in the distance was a woman in shorts walking her dog along a trail. <laughs> And we were like, yes, we made it. We made it back to civilization. Now it turns out we were never lost. We actually were never lost. We just needed to keep going. We needed to keep moving. And, and, and we had the compass and we just needed to trust it. I think it is a life lesson. A life lesson that, that if you have the compass, and, and for the Christian, the Bible is the compass. And, and the scriptures and what they teach us and, and, and the, the way God wants to lead us. And, and he wants us to keep moving towards him. You can look at this and you can be like, man, the church really wants us to do a lot of stuff. <laughs> no, that is not what this is for. Today, I'm going to help you see beyond the trees, right? Like sometimes we get lost, the forest for the trees. Like we're, we can't see the forest because we're so consumed. We feel like we're lost. There's a lot of stuff going on, but let me give you the big picture view of why we even do this. I don't want you to just do what we ask you to do. I want you to know why, and I want you to own it for yourself. I want you to believe in it for yourself. I want you to use the compass yourself. And I want you to, to go with us on this journey. So today seemed like a good day just to review, kind of have a, a little family meeting. Hey, why are we here, One Chapel? What are we doing? And so I want to give you some vision statements, some ideas of why we do what we do. So we're going to talk about our first five. We call it our first five. There's one purpose, two initiatives, three values, four scriptures, five things that we do. I'm going to talk about it all today. We'll be out of here about 3.30. So <laughs> just kidding. So one, let's start with one purpose. One purpose, helping each other move from where we are to where God wants us to be. I think people get stuck. I think people get stagnant in their spiritual lives with God and they have to move to get out of it. I think people get stuck in a certain season or a certain part of their life and they need somebody to come along and help move them. This is part of what we do at One Chapel. We think people have to move towards God and it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 30 years, you gotta move towards him. You can't camp out somewhere and just hang out there. Spiritually speaking, there's always more to discover. There's always more to understand. There's always more life that God wants to pour into you. He's always interested in teaching you and encouraging you and growing you. It is a wonderful, wonderful journey. In the scriptures, we see this idea of walking, like our walk, our spiritual walk. It's referred to many times, walking in the spirit. There's a journey mentality within the scriptures that we're moving towards him. And so I think we have to help each other get unstuck. We have to, we have to walk with each other. And I think if you feel stagnant in your spiritual life, that's what some of this is about. Move. 
Move, move towards a group, move towards a, a group of people, move towards community, move towards the, the week of prayer that we're going to have. We're going to have 6 a.m. prayer for a week starting on September 5th. And we're just going to dig in and we're going to kind of launch the fall in the right way. And I think, I think we need things to help us move on this journey. And so number two, two initiatives, two initiatives. These are things that kind of direct us as a church. And the first one is the art of neighboring. The art of neighboring. The second one is the heart of church planting. And these two things kind of intersect. But let me talk to you about the art of neighboring. Loving our neighbors actually demonstrates love for God. The way we love God is by loving other people well. And there's a, there's, a, there's a journey here where I think we're discovering how this really happens in a culture like 21st century America. Our Western culture where individualization is, it, it defines us, defines our culture, where, where we, we come to our houses, our little castles, and we're, we're not sure how much we want other people to get into our lives. The art of neighboring says for the Christian that our job is to not only love God, but to love our neighbor as ourselves. I'm not just talking about a neighbor. I'm talking about your coworker. I'm talking about the hobbies you're involved in. I'm talking about the community you find yourself in, not only where you live, but the people around you that God's called us as a church to be attentive to people's needs, to care for them, to see what they need, and then to help provide it. That's who God's people are. And how do we do that? There's a little uh, um, acronym there, bless anybody that you're going to be attentive to, that you think God might be drawing, you've got to pray for them. You begin with prayer. You listen to them. Don't just tell them your story. Don't just blab all about yourself. Listen to where they are and discover what they need, eat together, share meals together, share your life, serve, and then finally, when the moment is, is right, share your story. This is the art of neighboring. It's more of an art form. You have to define how that works in your world, but we all need to own it. We all need to own it because here's the truth. The seeds of the gospel are found in doing the simple act of just loving someone well. The seeds of the gospel. Not only do they see a person loving them well and they get a picture of God, but th there's also a moment. They're gonna discover who you are as a Christian. There's no way around it if you're gonna be in relationship with them. It's gonna, it's gonna come out. And relationships, I think, as, as, we, as we invest in them, there's something that happens where, where they discover who we are and we discover who they are. And, and I love how the, the writers of the book, The Art of Neighboring, if you're interested, that's kind of where this concept comes from. It's a great book to read and it'll help you even more with this concept. But he says in there, he says, he says, we love our neighbors not to convert them, but because we are converted. You're not trying to close the deal. It's not a sale. It's being the light in the darkness. It's being who God called you to be where he placed you. It's loving people well. And then that leads to the heart of church planting. 
What we've decided is we are going to be a church that meets in multiple locations. And we decided that about a, a year ago. We really pulled the trigger on it. I'd been praying about it for three years, really. And, 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 I, and I just knew God wanted us to do it. But it was so hard to figure out how, to, how it works. It's kind of like, like having a baby. If you wait till you have enough money to have a baby, you'll never have one. So many places to go there. Let's just keep moving. So... So here's what I just knew that I just knew that God was calling us to be more strategic in the way we were going to share the gospel in our city. And so we decided we're going to start with Kyle. There's a bunch of people from our church that live there. We're going to we're going to go to Kyle and we're going to birth this church and so we started a launch team last year and we we ran up through the fall and 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 then we launched it in January with a, a huge number of people a bunch of you went down there to help and to serve and and that was an incredible blessing and 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 then during that time like I had told the church I said look it's going to go slow at the beginning we're just going to like go just going to be we're going to learn we're going to figure out what we don't know well, at the same time, Lake Travis, this church in Lake Travis comes to us and, and is in real need. And, and through a lot of prayer and a lot of dialogue, suddenly we, we believe, they asked us, they're like, can we, do you think we could be part of this family of neighborhood churches you're talking about? And I said, no. But after we prayed some more, it seemed right to the Holy Spirit and to us. And so we ended up with, we, we have now three communities that we began here this, the, in February, in late January and February. And it has been seemingly like chaos ever since. And it's stretching. It's stretching you and I. It's stretching our communities together. But it is a good, good thing because we're birthing something. And I think we're birthing something in the heart of God that wants to reach into the community of the Austin region. I don't know if you realize this, but Austin really doesn't like franchise models. Franchises, like, like Applebee's. Nobody in Austin thinks Applebee's is eating good in the neighborhood. Now, my apologies to those of you who run an Applebee's, Applebee's franchise, but the truth is it's, you're, you're doing something really hard in Austin. Everybody wants the hole in the wall. Everybody wants the unique thing in, in a city like Austin that the, a, a, a large one culture mega church isn't going to reach the whole thing. We already knew that when we started. It's just that the Lord is making it so clear. And we're not the only ones planting churches. We're part of a, of a movement of planting churches. But we're going to do it in a way that says each church can be context sensitive, can be missional in their community, can reach out to their community in the way they see fit. But they're going to be part of a larger family, a larger group of people that are going to help them along the way. And we're going to share resources and we're going to be strategic together. We're going to learn from each other. And somewhere along the way, after we do a few, we'll go to the really hard spots within the city of Austin, downtown. We'll go, we'll, we'll go to 78704, try to put, try to put a, a church right down there in that neighborhood. The places where, um, where Jesus wants to share his life and love with people, and they don't have enough opportunities. You've heard me say this statistic many times, but I'm going to say it one more time. 4.7 churches per 10,000 people. That's about what Austin has. The national average is 12. 
that number is going, that the 4.7 number is going down because so many people are coming to Austin. We can't plant churches fast enough. There is a great need in our city to represent the, the gospel, to bring light into the darkness, to share love with people. That's where we're headed. We, we have a vision to, to, to go to, sh- to do 10 communities in 10 years. But I, re- recently I've been really um, convicted of something. Could it be that God wants to do more than 10? If Lake Travis and Kyle both plant one in the next three years, we're on our way to more than 10. But look, this is a thing. It, this cannot be a nice idea. Oh, Pastor Ross, that's so sweet that you think that. That's so awesome. That's, that's a neat vision. I really like that. It's so good. You, you go. It's never going to work that way. It is never going to work unless you and I decide this is what we're called to. Because it's too uncomfortable. It's too difficult. It's too challenging to see people leave who were friends with you and go start somewhere else. It's too difficult to be left uncomfortable because people you liked went or because you were called to go and you were inconvenienced to start something that was gonna go beyond your ability to receive anything. It is a challenging thing and I want us to embrace it together. I want us to believe this heart of church planning. It's gotta get down on the, deep on the inside of us. There's nothing, hey, there's no better thing to mobilize lazy Christians. Oh, I didn't know you had a need. Oh, really? We've only been saying it over and over again. Oh, there's a spot for me. Oh, there's something for me to do. Every church we plant, that's going to happen. Over and over and over. People are going to be mobilized in their gifts, in what God put in. People are sitting. People who are static, they're going to move. And so I, I also think that it is the best way to innovate the church. You know, I don't know if you know this, but churches go through the same life cycles that humans do because it's an organic experience. It's a, it's a relational entity. And so it goes through seasons where it, it's not sure what to do, and it can get static. It can get stagnant as a group, as a corporate group of people. So we have to keep ourselves from getting stagnant, and we have to keep reaching in faith. We have to keep stretching our faith towards what Jesus has asked us to do. And if we will do that, there will be incredible benefits, incredible fruitfulness in our city. We'll experience that together. And so I want us to reach for that faith. All right, three values. Here we go. Three values. If you've been around here any length of time, you've heard these values, presence, relationship, and mission. Presence is believing that God is present and active among us, that he's actually with you. Another way to say it was, would be to believe that he's with you and for you. He's not against you. It doesn't just happen when we gather here for worship, although it does. You ever notice that? You come, Marty's and the team are playing. It's like something really incredible happens more than when you're just uh, going on your job during the week. It's like something is, is stimulated here. It's the presence of Jesus in all of you coming to one spot. That's what it is. 
It is not God's desire that the presence would be here in this Monterey Oaks office complex, <laughs> in this commercial office building. I mean, it's starting to look nicer. It's nice. Starting to look nicer, but this is not where the presence is. We have to believe the presence is here so that when you're at work and there's an opportunity, there's a moment the Holy Spirit whispers to you. The presence of God lives in you and he's with you and he speaks to you and says, oh, that's your opportunity. Ask him. Ask him if you could pray for them. Some of you are like, Pastor Ross, like, you can't ask people to pray for you. Actually, my experience says that when you ask random people, even people you don't know, hey, would they tell you something deep and meaningful to them, you say, well, could I pray for you? They very rarely resist. Because in Austin, it's like everything's kind of spiritual anyway. They're like, I'll take all I can get, all the help I can get. <laughs> I'll take, I take some Buddha and I'll take some Jesus. I'll take, whatever you got, just give it to me because I'm in trouble. That's the context we live in. But the, but the point is the presence of God is in you. And if you don't believe that, you're not going to be active. What's the first thing that happens? Because if you think it's just you, if you think it's just in your head, then you're always doubting. you got to believe that he is present, he's with you, and he's for you. And what happens when people face tragedy or difficulty or struggle, when you face it in your life, what's the first thing that you sort of get tested on? Oh, God's not with me. God's not, God's not even, he's not for me. He's, he's against me. He knows how bad I am. This is terrible. He's punishing me. Listen, listen, the gospel, the good news is you don't have to suffer the punishment of sin or the penalty of all your failures. That's the gospel. And you only get that by gravitating to him, by reaching out to him and saying, okay, God, you have my life. I believe you. You have nothing to give him except willingness and faith. And so there is this, this idea that gets, we, 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 it, it hits us and we're not sure he's really with us or for us. Nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble is what he says. John 16, 33. In this world you're going to have trouble, but he said, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Well, big deal. Jesus, you've overcome the world. That only means something if you have Jesus inside of you. He's with you. He's for you. His presence is with you. Number two, relationship. Relationship, loving people well and practicing our faith as a community. Christianity cannot be practiced as an individualized or isolated spirituality. That's what everybody kind of wants Everybody wants kind of their own spirituality. And I just want to practice it like I want to practice it. That Austin's full of those people. You've heard, you've heard them say it. I'm not religious, but I am deeply spiritual. Translation, I love God. I hate his family. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be with people. I just want to practice my religion by myself. That, that's not how the Bible teaches it. The Bible teaches a communal faith where we share together, where we learn together, where we grow together. It's been hard for us to, to grab a hold of that, I think, in a city that's s spread apart. 
It's, it's hard. I think it's interesting as I'm watching the communities grow. You've got Lake Travis and you've got Kyle, and they're kind of defined by their space and their community. And, and, and what's happened is they've gone to Lake Travis, and, and, and Kyle has grown. They're defining themselves by where they live. But in Austin, this location has a little more difficult time because we're from so many different places. And we're, we're kind of descending on this location. That's why groups are so incredibly important. You got you to gotta belong to a place where you can be known and needed. Known and need, really known. I know you're busy. I know you got a lot to do. I know you might even be afraid of it. But relationships are the only way that ministry, that God does his work is through people in community together. Number three is mission. If there's one that I would say we're weak on, this is it. Not because we don't believe it, but because this is, this is a, a, maybe a more difficult value to sort of get your hands on. And, and, and throughout the life of the church, we, like for, for a few years, we did things like Love Austin. You know, we did it several times where we'd do a serving day and reach out into the community and, and, and help the school here. And listen, we're going to do that again. October 1, October 1 right here, put it on your calendar. We're going to be part of a huge group of churches within South Austin and, and create that serve day. It's going to be another element of love where you live. It's going to be us loving the people around us. And so uh, we're going to be part of that. They're doing it in North Austin as well on different days. And so those of you from North Austin can also participate with that. And it is just a, an emphasis to, for us to love our city. And listen, I believe in it. However, I became disillusioned when I realized that we were just doing, we were doing events and it wasn't translating to a lifestyle. And so we, we turned our attention to neighboring. For about a year and a half, we've been talking about neighboring. Been talking about owning our neighborhoods. Been talking about the, the vision and the, the goal of loving people well right where you live. And this is such an important aspect of, I think, what's what's coming and the only way we're really going to share the love of Jesus with the people of Austin. We still need to do serving. We still need to activate. We still need to move, but we've got to learn how to love people right around us. All right. So then, so mission is initiating, but here, here's the thing. Here's the thing about mission. At the end of the day, the real test of mission is whether or not you make any disciples. Making disciples has got to be the end result of, of, of our mission mindset. The mission mindset cannot be picking up trash in the park. It's a great thing to do. It's a loving thing to do for your city, but it has to translate to something beyond picking up the trash. So the question I have for all of you is, is and these are, this is really an important question, who are you investing in? Who, who, do you have a person, do you have anyone in your life that you're actually making a disciple out of could be your kids could be some extended family could, could be friends you, you, here's, a, here's a second question who's, who's making you a better disciple who's actually, who's actually challenging you to, to, to live by faith this is, this is so important. This is, what, this is what groups are all about. This is what Catalyst is all about, is learning how to become and make disciples and, and getting that mindset in our hearts. That's what we're going to be focusing on for the next year or so, is doing a better job in our mission. All right, you got it? We're about halfway done. We cannot finish the rest of it by taking the amount of time I've taken for the first half. 
So can you listen faster? All right, here we go. So four scriptures, Psalm 68. These are cornerstone scriptures for our church. These are pillars. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just read verse five and six. It says, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. Another way to say this might be, wherever def- widows, widows are defended and wherever orphans are cared for, that's where God's presence lives. <laughs> we have to be that kind of church that's willing to do that, that's willing to care for those who are in trouble. Verse six, God sets the lonely in families. Underline that right there. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. I think the work of God is the work of setting people who are disenfranchised and lonely in a family. We live in a divorce culture. We live in a dysfunctional family culture. Who's gonna teach people how to live in a real family? The church has to do it. We have to do it. You know what that means? We gotta learn how to live together as a family. The family of God is learning and growing together. And and, and it's interesting, if we're gonna think about God putting lonely people with us, guess what? They're the most dysfunctional sometimes among us. Some of you were those lonely people. Some of you were those disenfranchised people. You couldn't find your place, couldn't find your tribe. We gotta let those people in. We gotta be the ones who are looking for them. You can't come to church and not see them. We can't, we can't be the church that comes and evaluates the song selection. <laughs> we can't be the church that's just evaluating it for ourselves. We have to be the church that, that, that lets people belong. We want people to belong, believe, and become all that God wants them to be. Some churches, they're like, okay, you can believe. If you believe this and then you behave like this, then you can belong. That is not one chapel. I have five kids. My wife had them. I helped. I have five, <laughs> I have five kids, and they, each of them, they came out of the womb into my arms, and I cried my eyes out with every one of them. My wife was like, oh, thank God they're out. But I was weeping in the hospital room. Why? Because I instantly loved them. What is that? We have to be the church that instantly loves the people that God places in our family. He can do it. We can do it. He can do it with us. John 17, this is Jesus' prayer. And he said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us that the world will believe that you have sent me. You know what Jesus is praying for? Jesus is praying for people to be unified around a common purpose. Common purpose is what creates community. Common purpose creates unity. There's a thing here that we've all decided that we're going to be. And we come from all walks of life. We come from all demographic groups. And we come from all socioeconomic places along the spectrum. And we, and even our political spectrums, we come here and we say, that's not what's going to define us. We're going to be defined by the banner of who Jesus is. And we're going to live under that banner as a group of people. And that is an alternative type of community. It doesn't make sense to the world. They think if you, you don't vote for their candidate, you can't be friends on Facebook. That's not what we're talking about. 
We're talking about a greater purpose and a greater idea. We're talking about a, a way of living that says, I'm, you're, you're going to belong to me and I'm going to belong to you because we both belong to Jesus. And that's what Jesus was talking about. His prayer for us is about community and commission. They're two sides of the same coin. We're going out, but we have to, we have, to have an experience together of unity around this common purpose. Luke 15, you know what it says? I'm not going to read the passage here, but I'm going to tell you about Luke 15. There's three stories in it. The first story is about sheep. And a shepherd loses one sheep. And the scripture says he leaves the 99 and he goes to find one. And then he finds one and then he comes back and he says to all his friends, I found my sheep. Come on, let's have a party. As Kim Swafford was up here making the announcement, she said these words, and I thought it was really funny at the time. I just haven't heard her say it. We like to party, is what she said. <laughs> I'm just not used to Kim Swafford, Southern Belle, saying, we like to party. It's like, it's like okay, it's awesome. But it's true, right? There's a, like, like in this story, Luke 15, the shepherd comes back and, and then throws a big party. A lady who loses her coins, there's a lost coin. She finds it, and then she calls all her girlfriends together and says, I found my coin. Let's go spend it. <laughs> this is a great party. Let's have a party. And then the third story is about a, a lost son, the prodigal son. I, I think this is like the quintessential chapter for defining how Jesus sees what's going on in the kingdom of God that people are being found, and when they are being found, the, 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 the boy who's lost, he's wasted his inheritance, and he's in a pig pen, and he thinks he's going to come back and just try to be a servant in his father's household because they live better than he's living now, and he comes back, and he starts to give his speech, and the, the dad reaches out his arms and grabs a hold of him and won't let him go and says, we're throwing a party for you. Here, bring the robe and bring the shoes, and here's the ring, and you have all the rights of a son. That's the culture we have to have here, that we believe that, that it defines how we see the gospel, that it defines the way we interact with each other, that it, that it defines how we're going to reach out to people and how we're going to treat one another. In that story, there's an older brother. Sorry, I'm so embarrassed now. These are meaningful ideas to me, and I want them to be meaningful ideas for us because they are going to define us for the next many years. I don't want any of us to be the older brother who resents what God is doing with other people or feels somehow mistreated or, or doesn't get that he has all the rights of a son and could have had a party anytime he wanted. That's what, the, that's what the scripture, that's the story. That's what the father tells him. Look, we have to become a church where people are being baptized all the time. We have to, and, and, and we're, on a, we're on a relatively good pace, but, but there's more. <laughs> there's more. We have to, water baptism has to be a thing where uh, the last first Wednesday we had two girls water baptized and it was so sweet just hearing their testimonies and hearing what God was doing in their life. We had a big party. That has to keep happening. And that has to be the culture of our church. Finally, Ephesians 4.15 says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body. Everybody say grow. grow. 
mature. We're growing to be mature. We're growing to be the mature body of him who is the head. Christ is the head of this body. From him, the whole body joined and held together and every supporting ligament does, grows and builds itself up in love. Look at this last phrase. As each part does its work. Just, just a sentence on that. There's work to be done here, people. There's all kinds of work to be done. And I want to highlight for you that this family has a lot of stuff that, that where there's work to be done. Like, you know what we call, you know what we call family members that don't have chores? Spoiled. Spoiled. I don't, I don't know if you realize this or not, but, the, but all those red chairs don't magically appear out there every week. They actually, there's people who take them from a trailer and put them on their head and walk them out and put them down and set them up for you. This morning before all, the, all of you came, there was people in this auditorium uh, sweeping stuff up and make, set, straightening the chairs and doing all that stuff. This is part of being a family. And I think all of us have to be willing to engage in that work. Well, I'm, I'm so busy, Pastor Ross. Listen, the life of God, the life of God comes into you when you decide to move in faith, not out of duty or obligation, but out of faith. Okay, I believe I'm part of something I'm going to give. That's the only way it works. It doesn't work. If, if you feel guilty because I'm standing up here saying this, it might not work. You might just get on a lousy team and they'll mistreat you. You don't, think, you don't think it's happened? Yeah, it, it does happen. Cause, because You know why? Because this is an imperfect family. Amen. This is a bunch of, Thank you for that amen. This is good. <laughs> this is an imperfect family. <laughs> you, you know why it's imperfect? Because you're imperfect and I'm imperfect. You're led by an imperfect pastor. Listen, we, but we learn to live with one another in a family, and that's what being on a team is all about, and that's what engaging in serving. I'm so appreciative of all the team that's serving in the children's ministry right now. They're in there, and they are in, investing in those kids. It's incredible what they're doing. We don't know the deposit they're making yet, but over the next many years, we will. It is, a, it is a incredible kingdom perspective to understand that. But speaking the truth in love is what I just tried to do to you. I just tried to, in the lo most loving way I could, say, hey, stop thinking about yourself and think about others. And, and make no mistake, the, the hardest part of the work is all about creating an atmosphere of love. That's the hardest part. That's the most challenging aspect. It's easy to pop off and tell somebody the truth. What we got to do is love one another enough so we can tell them the truth and then challenge them. All right, so I'm out of time, so I'm going to give you the five things we do, and I'm only giving you this because I think you have to understand that there's lots of stuff we're going to be involved in, but these are the things that are going to be the ministry of One Chapel. Here it is. Ready? Number one is church. That's weekend, gathering people to worship God, sharing vision, and receiving communion, teaching the scriptures. Number two is groups, creating relational community. That's what groups are for. It's all of our spiritual growth and emotional health. That's what you, you learn that in a group. Personal discipleship takes place in a smaller group. You can't just come to the big church meeting and expect that that's going to have all the answers for you. You've got to be known and needed, as I said before. Number three, teams. These are the things we just talked about. Being a, a person who serves with the spiritual gifts God gave you, gave you and, and gives you... Um, and, and, and shows and reveals to you. you. Sometimes you don't know you have a gift until you start serving and then it, you discover this thing that's in you that God wanted to come out all the time. Take the step. 
Take the step of faith for his gifts, not just your own gifts as a person and how God's wired you, but also financially. There's a, there's a financial investment. We're, we're about to re-up on the lease for this place. Um, it'll be good news for all of you. They're going to replace the carpet as a way of um, a goodwill gesture. And so we're going to put carpet squares in here. So um, it still doesn't mean you can just be careless with your coffee. But, but this gross, nasty carpet is finally going to come up. <sighs> so, but, here, but here's the thing. This building costs something. The investment of the church, we all, we all are the ones who invest in this together. We invest in the things that are happening in the kingdom of God. I think it's an important idea, and we all need to participate in that. But it's not just that. It's not really, at the end of the day, it's not about the church. The financial giving portion, it's really not about the church. It's really about what goes on in here. It's you being willing to give, to be generous as a way of loosening the grip of all of your material possessions and money and, and, and letting that drive your life. I think giving to the church, tithing, offerings, that loosens the grip and you decide that God is the one who provides for you. I think that's a big deal. Number five is growth. I'm not talking about numerical growth. God will take care of all that. We gotta, we gotta figure out, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta do things well enough to let people belong, but listen, what I'm talking about is spiritual growth. What I'm talking about is moving forward in your life with God. I want you to to just close your eyes and I want you to bow your head and I want you to consider what the Holy Spirit may say to you. Some of you may feel like you're really growing. I wish I could tell you that Growth happens best in super easy and, you know, chill out times, but that's not how it works. Growth happens best so often in a, a season of perseverance and struggle. Where are you? Are you, are you moving forward or are you stagnant? Are you, are you interested in what God might have for you beyond what you're experiencing right now? I want want you to experience that. This list of events is not just about doing things. It's about moving together in faith, believing that God's got more for you and me And he has a purpose he's trying to accomplish in our city and in our region together. Will you grab onto that today? Would you be willing to say yes to what God may whisper to you? Get off the bench, get in the game. Stop playing on the fence. Come over into the the land that God has for you, the the dwelling place that he has for you, the desires he has for you. And sometimes that does mean that you're going to engage in a different way. You're gonna you're gonna become a group leader. You're gonna become you're gonna you're gonna go to a group and you're gonna belong to a group of people. You're gonna you're gonna serve somewhere or you're gonna you're gonna find that that moment where you're praying for your neighbor and suddenly you're ready. 
Some of you need to involve yourself in this week of prayer that's coming up. It's your chance to move forward. Two weeks, September 5th, we're going we're gonna to go for a week, 6 a.m. prayer. We're going to have a Wednesday night worship and prayer time. And it is to, to, to push us forward in the vision and the, and the desires that God has for us. So I want you to let him speak to you now. Father, we pray that you would just help us see clearly. Help us to see where you're taking us. But Lord, more than that, we, we want to take a step, even though we, don't, even though we can't see everything. We, can't, we don't see necessarily this destination. But Lord, we want to keep taking another step. Some of us feel like we're just lost. We're lost in the wilderness. But Lord, you, you've given us a compass. You've given us a, a group of friends. And Lord, we want to we wanna walk forward. We want to move forward to the place you're sending us. Would you speak to each of us? And would you help us to live our lives moving toward you? Moving toward you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.